listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. And so for the last few weeks, we've talked about things like Violence. We've talked about things like politics. And then last week, if you were with us last week or if you weren't with us last week, we talked about how do we engage in the conversation that involves the LGBTQ plus community? How do we take Jesus into those conversations? Hopefully, as you're hearing those, you're writing down questions and you're saying, yeah, but what about this? Because we got two weeks at the end of this series that I don't have a topic for. And maybe one of those weeks will catch up everything that I either forgot to say or said more than I should have said or didn't say. And we'll catch up. So as you're going, yeah, but I don't understand. Or what about write those things down? Let's keep talking about it. Today is going to be, uh, again, a very different day. We're going to be talking about something that we know is a reality in our lives. And some of these things that we're going to talk about today are real in our family. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be so bold as to say that everybody in the room today has some kind of direct connection to what we're going to be dealing with in the Let's Talk About series, which is mental illness, addiction, and suicide. Those are real issues Those are real pains and those are real things that are happening in the world around us. And it's coming to us in the form of conversation. How do we bring Jesus to that conversation? But to get going, I'd like for us to do an exercise, if we can, before we even get started in talking about the things that you've got in front of you. I'd like for us to do one thing together. Let's all take our right hand. And let's just hold it up. Let's just hold it right here, all right hands. And here's what I want you to say. I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say it like you believe it. I am broken. See, I don't think you meant it. I think you said it. I think you're very obedient. I think because some of you are going, no, I ain't broken. Not as broke as you are, but no. <laughs> One more time. And, and here's what I want you to do. You know it's true. So I want you to say it like you know it's true. I am broken. Thank you. I said, I said repeat after me, right? I'll keep your hand up. Your hand up. We're gonna say, I'm going to say it and then you're going to say it. And you're going to say it like you know it. I don't have everything together. Okay, put your hands down. As long as we're on the same page. You're broken. And you ain't got it all together. So let's talk about some things. We're going to go through this sheet. I, I spent a lot of time putting this thing together, so I really hope I don't find any wadded up on the floor. Make sure they find themselves in the trash can, okay? Let's talk about mental illness, addiction, and suicide. And this will be the longest introduction to any kind of sermon you've ever heard. But let's go through these together. Mental health. It's, a, it's a, 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 an idea that refers to our cognitive, behavioral, and emotional well-being. It's all about how we think, feel, and believe. Every one of us has physical health, 
You know, it has to do with how our bodies are working and how our, our things work together. And within this, there is an aspect of mental health. Do you realize that the brain is an organ in your body, just like the heart? I mean, you, we, we nod because we know that's true, but, but for the majority of our lifetime, we have not acted as though that were true. Because mental health issues and things around mental health have been set aside. And if you will, if you will allow me to enter into probably your home of origin. And probably when it came to issues of mental health, if it was directly in your home or to your family, you probably have heard these types of phrases. What's going on in our family stays in our family. We don't, now son, we don't talk about this. In fact, if it's bad enough, we might even remove an individual from a family and put them where they're not known so that what is real is not experienced or known in the group or the society in which they're. So mental health, things dealing with the mind and the brain have for so many years been set aside as those things that are kept in secret. We don't talk about these things. You know who's the most guilty of that practice? The church. They're the most guilty. But the brain's an organ, just like the rest of the body. Do we keep silent when we're uh, feeling pressure? Whew, pressure there, and now it's all of a sudden like a knife, and now I'm feeling into my right arm, and boy, but have you ever heard anybody go, you really need to keep that to yourself? Because really, that's not for, no. What do we do? We go, help! Somebody call 911! Why? Because it's a problem in dealing with our body that needs to be addressed. You know, sometimes when our brain is affected by internal triggers and external triggers, sometimes our brain has, oh, the pressure, the pain, the things that would be normally reckoned, oh, wow, that's just start, whoo, right there in my, oh, man, that's really up, whoo, and we're dialing 911. But our brain has pains as well and and some of those pains flesh out in different ways now I just want to identify some things and you may know more about these than I do but I just want to as a church I just want us to be aware of these I want us to be informed of these things when it comes to mental illness they they kind of can be grouped into about four particular different categories uh, of, of mental illness and then there's some others that 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 flow in and this is not an exhaustive list but these are some of the most common let's look first at what what physicians call anxiety orders this is the most common an anxiety order is a severe fear it's a terror an, an anxiety a worry which is linked to certain objects animals people places situations <clears throat> or circumstances it's fear and severe worry that comes on because some sort of trigger has caused me to, to find myself in a very severe state of anxiety. It's fleshed out in ways and uh, things called panic attacks. 
Some of you have, have had these panic attacks. Sudden paralyzing terror or the sense of immediate danger. There's a typo right there. I'll go ahead and identify. It's not send, it's sense. I typed this, I proofed this, I printed this. That will not be the first typo. So just give me grace. Amen, amen. All right, phobias. Disproportionate fear of objects, insects, animals, situations, etc. Anybody in here afraid of a little old spider? Yeah, I mean, they can't. I mean, how many spiders would it take to be the size of your foot? Just step, but you go, no, no. Those are their phobia. And, And when those things are disproportionate, they can be paralyzing. Obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. It's the constant stressful thoughts. It's powerful urges to perform repetitive acts. It's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a thing in my brain that is, it's triggering me with these impulses that I've got to get this done. I, I, I don't know, I don't know why, but I have to get this done and I've got to get this done in this way. And that can be overwhelming. Post traumatic stress disorder, P, T-S-D. It's the physical, mental, or emotional reaction that our body has to triggers related to a past traumatic event over a period of time. Who has, what, what group of people has PTSD the greatest? We see it in the community of, of veterans that come out of combat situations. They're in a traumatic situation. You realize trauma could be anything from something that physically happened to me or something that I saw. Police officers are constantly going into situations where they're having to see things that have an effect on their mind. They, they, they have a trauma. They have something that has affected them in a great way. And The body can react to triggers that cause them to to go into that situation from the past. They feel it, they're emotionally under it, and it's a a trigger, and they they don't want that, but yet it's happening, PTSD. These anxiety orders where where my fear and my worry just take over. Not only anxiety disorders, but also mood disorders. This is significant changes in mood, generally involving two different ends of the spectrum. First, mania, which is elation, euphoria. It's, 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 a, it's a significant change from being way up to depression or despair, being way down. These mood disorders, they're identified as major depression, extreme or prolonged periods of unexplained sadness. I'm just, I'm sad and I don't know why I can't get out of the sadness. A lot of times you'll hear when people have depression, they just, they, they can't get out of the bed. You know what you hear? You hear, well, they just need to stop it and get up and pull themselves up by the bootstraps, yet their brain is not allowing them to do it. They, they just They don't know why that they're overwhelmed by sadness. Bipolar, which is previously defined as manic depressive. These are swings and episodes. I I swing from one end of the spectrum to the other. I'm I'm either euphoric and I'm just, I'm, I'm wired and I'm elated and I'm going after. And then the next thing you know, I'm just as down as I was up. 
It's, it, it's not that I'm wanting to do this. It's just what's happening. That's defined as bipolar disorder. Persistent depression. It's, it's long-term depression, but it's not as strong as major depression. This can be happening in someone and they not be diagnosed because it's not as extreme and yet they're constantly wrestling with that depressed feeling. And it's happening all around us. Seasonal affective disorder, SAD, S-A-D. It's major depression triggered by a lack of daylight. Uh, you guys know, you Alaskan folks, uh, Nathan, you probably have been around some folks because, you know, in Alaska, it, uh, it's, it's dark a lot of the time. Like, it's, it could be daytime and it's dark there, vice versa, because it's crazy. And, and, and what I hear from Doug, uh, Nathan's dad, is that really folks go to live in Alaska and there are times in the winter where folks are dealing with severe depression that leads into other types of addiction. You have schizophrenia disorder. This is a highly complex issue. It's, it's when a person has, their thoughts are fragmented, like they, they have difficulty processing information. They have delusions, at times hallucinations. They're confused. They may hear voices. They're withdrawn. And there are other factors involved in this idea of schizophrenia disorder. You realize they don't want this. This is not what they're trying to do. It's not what they want to bring to the table. But the organ that is in their head, the brain, is creating an environment where that is how they are responding in the social environments that they're in. Eating disorders, the preoccupation with food and weight issues that affect focus on other areas of life. Anorexia, one of those. It's refusing to eat enough or it's excessive uh, exercise. It's, it's purging. When you do eat, it's, it's forcible vomiting and the abuse of laxatives in order to lose weight. Someone with anorexia looks at their body and they don't see skin and bones. They see overweight. And they're doing whatever they've got to do in order to, to, to keep the body image that they think they need. And they would be willing to refuse to eat in order to get there because they can't see themselves as anything other than overweight. Bulimia. Bulimia is excessive binge eating. So, so these aren't refusing to eat. Bulimia is someone who, who eats a lot and then follows that by the purging. They, they want to eat. They have the appetite to eat. And they binge and binge. And then they will purge their body. Again, because of how they feel about themselves. And then you have binge eating, which I thought was the same thing. But actually, binge eating is excessive eating. Hundreds of thousands of calories. And I'm just, I'm eating beyond my ability to, to control myself. I'm full, but I'm continuing to eat. This is like an addiction to food. And this is without purging. And so oftentimes, folks that, that have this binge eating disorder end up becoming very obese and hindered by uh, diabetes and things like heart problems. Not what they want to do. It's just what's happening because of what's happening in their brain. Some other mental health issues. 
that might fall into one of these or more categories. Hoarding, you see these on television where families are pleading with their family member not to be, they're living in mounds of stuff. And you're like, why would anybody want to live that way? It's not that they want to, they have to. They don't know how to deal with what's going on. Postpartum depression, you ladies that have had children, that's very common. You have the baby and then you go through a time of depression. At times can be incredibly severe. Gender dysphoria. See, this is, goes back to last week when we were talking about the transgender issue. There is, a, there is a, a, an identifying uh, category of gender dysphoria where, where I, I'm a man, but I feel like I should be a woman. And mental health professionals are saying that's, that's not how you are supposed to think in a healthy way. Some sleeping disorders would fall under this category. And then learning abilities would also fall. And these are things that are very common. Dyslexia, dyslexia, auditory visual processing disorder, ADHD. And, and there are many, many more that would fall under. These are things that it's not that I'm trying to do this. It's just what's happening. Alzheimer's disease. That's how you say it. That's how it's spelled right there. I hear old timers and all timers. It's Alzheimer's disease. That falls in. It's, it's where you're, you're, you're failing to be able to even accomplish those things that would be normal to your daily life. And, and you're losing memory and you're, you're not remembering who these people are that are your immediate family. Autism, spectrum disorder. All types of things that, that, that we just are trying to get our minds wrapped around because we recognize that these are, are people who have, have, have specific issues that they're not trying to bring to the table, but yet we need to meet them where they are. Remember, I am broken. I don't have it all together. Let me give you some statistics. One in five U.S. adults experience mental illness every year. That's 19.1% of the adult population. That's 47.6 million people. That's the entire population of the state of California and Washington. To give you some perspective. And of those 47.6 million, only 46% receive treatment. We typically have about 100, 125 in the room. That means that 20 of us in here are suffering, are feeling the pressure and the pain of these mental health issues or, or others that haven't been identified. One in 25 adults experience serious mental illness each year. That's 4.6% of the adult population. That's the entire population of the state of Ohio. Serious mental illness. And only 64% receive treatment. That's four of us in the room. One in six U.S. youth ages 6 to 17 will experience mental illness each year. That's 16.5% of the total population of those ages 6 to 17. That's 7.7 million students, the entire population of the state of Washington. And only 51% of those will receive treatment. 
That's six of our 40 youth that attend basic training. On average, there is an 11-year gap between the onset of mental illness symptoms and the first treatment. 11 years. How, How many of you have waited 11 years when you began to feel the pain in your jaw because of that tooth with the black spot? Sometimes you can't even wait 11 hours. Get the dentist on the phone. 11 years. Why? Why? You, you need to keep that to yourself. No, we, we, we don't talk about that. No we, 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 no, no, we can't bring that up. Folks, do you realize that every one of the things that I listed to you today is treatable? Curable? Probably not. But really, when, when you have those pains in your heart and, and boy, it's starting to hurt and you get to the hospital, that they cure your situation? Probably not. They just put a little spring in one of your arteries. But it doesn't cure it. You keep living the life you're living. It's going to stay. And sometimes it's just genetics. So you go, well, they're not curable. They're not curable. Every one of these are treatable. We get that for heart disease. We get that for breathing problems. We get that for diabetes and other physical things that fall within the physical arena. But when it comes to mental stuff, too much of, yeah, we just, ooh, we need to keep that to yourself. What you really need to do is get a good night's sleep and you're not really, what's happened? Why are you so sad all the time? You just quit being so late? No. When I went to seminary, one of the most important things that was said to me, and I got a lot of stuff said to me, and I forgot most of it, but one of the most important things that was said to me at seminary was by one of the professors that was working in the uh, psychology arena of, of, of the graduate program. And he said to us, he goes, you can be on one end of the, one of two ends of the spectrum and they'll both be harmful. You can be on this end that says, Everything involving mental illness has to do with spirituality. If you get your heart right with Jesus, then everything involving the mind will be right and you'll be wrong. Or you could come over here and you could say that everything to do with mental illness needs a pill. And if you'll get enough of the chemicals in your body, everything will be fine. And he said, ladies and gentlemen, both of those ends are wrong. Mental illness can be treated, can't be cured, but it can be treated. And many of these folks that are living, many of you who are living with these situations and more or have connection to these situations and more, you can experience a great deal of freedom from these feelings and pressures and pains, but you're not going to unless you experience that treatment. And as a church, this one intends to approach these things differently. Mental illness represents one out of every eight ER visits. Mood disorders are the number one cause of hospitalization in the U.S., excluding pregnancy and birth. In the U.S. economy, serious mental illness causes $193 billion in lost earnings every year. 
20% of the U.S. homeless population have serious mental illness. 37% of the U.S. uh, incarcerated adults have severe mental illness. 70% of the U.S. youth in the juvenile justice system have serious mental illness. 41% of Veterans Health Administration patients have serious mental illness or substance addiction. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. Ladies and gentlemen, is this a real issue? You better believe it is. Is it being talked about? Not nearly enough. Let's talk about mental illness. Let's talk about hope and help that is available. Let's stop the stigmatization of this. Let's stop setting these people aside and realize that any one of us could be one of them at any time. What about addiction? What is addiction? Addiction is the intense focus on certain substances to the point that it takes over one's life. One said that that addiction is attempting to cope with life apart from healthy relationships. Why Why do people find themselves addicted to substances? And one has argued that it is an attempt to cope with life apart from a healthy relationship. Most common addictions are drugs, both illegal and prescription, alcohol, nicotine, pornography, sex, and gambling. Those are some of the most common addictions. According to the American American Addiction Center, 19.7 million people aged 12 and over have a substance abuse problem. And 74% of those adults are experiencing a substance abuse problem with alcohol. 38% of adults in 2017 have an illicit drug use. 38% in 2017. 4% of everyone aged 12 to 17 has a substance abuse addiction. And heroin abuse in the ages of 18 to 25 has doubled in the U.S. in the past 10 years. The number one addictor, alcohol, then marijuana, then prescription drugs, then cocaine and its forms, and then heroin. And get this statistic, 20.7 million people need treatment for substance abuse and only 4 million received it. That's only 19% in the U.S. in 2017. Addiction is treatable. Now, arguably, the one addicted must want to be treated. And I will agree with that. They have to want to be free from those chains. But treatment is available. And I wonder how many of those addicted to substances could have received treatment had those healthy relationships went one or two more steps. 
Now, I also get boundaries are important. Sometimes you have to draw lines, and I get it. I will be the first to, to stand with you and say, Pastor Kevin, we had to draw a line. This was becoming toxic, and we could no longer be involved. I get it, and I stand with you. I understand that. But I just wonder how many had been set aside because we won't have that in our family. We won't have that in this church. And then we talk about suicide, which is a hard subject to talk about because so many of us have a direct connection. Suicide is the second leading cause of death in the U.S. among people ages 10 to 34. Ages 10 to 34, the second leading cause. Unintended injury, accident, that's number one. Is this a problem, folks? Yeah. It's the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. overall. It's increased 31% in the U.S. since 2001. 46% of suicide victims had a diagnosed mental illness. 90% of suicide victims had shown symptoms of mental illness according uh, to interviews with family, friends, and medical professionals. 75% of suicide victims are male. Those identified, those youth that are identified as uh, lesbian, gay, and bisexual are four times more likely to commit suicide than those who would identify themselves as straight. Youth. Transgender adults, 12 times more likely to commit suicide than the general population. And get this, within the U.S., Suicidal thoughts in the U.S., 4.3% of all adults. 4.3% of all adults. 11% ages 18 to 25. 17% of high school students. 48% of lesbian, gay, and bisexual high school students. Right now, it's the highest rate since World War II in our nation. People come to a place where they can no longer cope. How has the church looked at this? How we looked at this? Did you catch that statistic? 90% of those affected by suicide exhibited symptoms of mental illness in interviews after the fact. I wonder how many would still be with us had we not, I will talk about that. I know that's not always the case. So many times you are doing the best you can. You're working as hard as you can and that tragedy still strikes. But in the bigger picture, if the church were willing to be open and vulnerable about these issues, if the church were a safe place where folks could be broken, if the church were a place where someone could come in and go, oh, I don't have to have it together at Oasis Church. Well, they're all broken. (laughs) No, none of them have it together. Even the guy up there talking will freely admit he's the most untogether guy there is in the whole room. Could we make a difference? So I think we could. I think we must. 
Let's talk about treatment. And I put this here so that you would have a reminder that treatment is available. Number one, hope and healing that is found in a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Will a vital relationship with Jesus Christ change the numbers on your cholesterol report? No, not generally. Can it? Sure, it can. Jesus could. If he wanted to, he could miracle the plaque right up at your arteries if he wanted to. Can we with confidence count on him to do that? Well, of course not. But all healing and hope of any eternal significance must come under the umbrella of a vital relationship with Jesus. See, when I'm under the vital relationship with Jesus, I know that, that my life here is not about today. It's about today in view of tomorrow. And because he was raised to new life, I will be raised to new life. There is hope and there is the promise of healing. Let's just look at it. Hope and healing found in a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. It's forgiveness of sin and it's new life today. If you know Jesus as your Savior, say amen. It's the Holy Spirit's presence and filling. It's not only having been forgiven by God, but it's having the person of God to dwell with you and in you, to provide you direction, to provide you peace and comfort when needed and equipping for service. It's the possibility of temporary physical healing, which by the way, that's all you'll ever get in this life temporary physical healing that's it you get it nothing in this life will be cured or 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 cleared up in its totality while we're still under the the presence of sin but it's the possibility of temporal physical healing in this life but it's the promise of sustaining grace through all of it. What did God say to Paul? When Paul goes, God, I've told you three times I want you to remove this thing that's limiting me. And God said, I hear you and I love you and I'm not going to move it, but my grace is sufficient. My grace will enable you to navigate what I'm not choosing to change. And my grace will allow what I'm not choosing to change to become one of the biggest parts of my story in your life. It's the promise of sustaining grace. But it is the guarantee of total and complete healing and transformation in the resurrection. As the Son of God got up, changed, and glorified, with that, too, we have the promise of complete and absolute transformation and healing. Hope and healing found in a vital relationship with Jesus Christ is a must. But you know, you can get treatment for your heart issues if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You can get an antibiotic for your bronchitis even if you don't know Jesus as Savior. And you realize that you can get treatment. Folks that, that are suffering with mental illness and addiction can get treatment even if they don't come under the umbrella of Christ. And you know what we're responsible for? I think about the, uh, the, the Good Samaritan. You know, the Good Samaritan came along and, you know, he didn't say, so are we in line theologically 
Because they weren't, you know what he did? He bandaged him up, put him on his donkey, took him, he nursed him back to health. So as we think about these, as followers of Jesus, we need to realize that there is help even for those that won't or haven't yet trusted Christ. And it looks like this, talk therapy. It's psychotherapy. It's, and, and I put Christian psychotherapy. It, it, it's, 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 it's helping someone think through and talk through. It's the beginning of healthy relationship. Helping someone learn how to cope within the, the framework of their circles that they're living in. It looks like Christian counseling. It looks like Christian coaching, thinking about the things of my past and how they might have contributed to the things I'm feeling today. And then the coaching takes it to the next step. And how am I going to move forward? What are the steps that I'm going to take? And if there's a Christian counselor available, I say take advantage of that because it's going to be under the bright umbrella. But if they're not, well then by goodness gracious, at least see a general psychotherapist, a general counselor and coach. I want to have a Christian doctor working on whatever I'm on the table for because I want him to know the same Lord I know. But you know what? That's not a deal breaker if I'm in pain. Bottom line is we need professionals and we need to be inroads to professionals. So talk therapy, self-help this is exercise and diet and, and, and better sleep patterns and reduced alcohol. I've got to decide that I've got to bring something to the table on this. There are some things that I'm going to need to do. And that's true even with the stint you got last week. To keep your heart going, your doctor's going to look at you and say, you know, hot dogs three times a week is probably not going to be in your best interest from now on. And then there's the relational community support of family and friends. You know, sometimes family and friends won't be the kind of support that, that, that folks need. And so right underneath that, that's where we come in, the church. We need to be a place where folks can realize it's okay to be broken because you know what? We're all broken they would need to find a place where it's okay to not have it all together you know why because we don't have it all together neither it needs to play a place where they can be supported and encouraged and find that relational support we like life groups we want everybody in a life group and we want life groups to be a place where folks can find safety and encouragement and an opportunity to grow with folks who are not going to look down on them and think less of them because guess what we're all broke. And guess what? None of us have it together. That's for you to keep. But I want you to think about some things as we wrap up today. When it comes to mental illness, addiction, suicide, you have a role and we have a role. Zach, we're going to look at some verses here, buddy. Zach's done a great job. He's filling in back there. He's one of our middle, middle school students. Had done a good job all day, seeing words and everything. Doing great. When, when you wrestle with mental illness and addiction, can I, just, can I just talk to you just for a second? If that's you. You know, Jesus addresses, he addresses that very thing. And it's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 through 30, and here's what Jesus said. He said, 
come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, all who are burdened and under the weight and are feeling the pressure and just can't, Jesus says, you come to me. I'll give you rest. Did Jesus address mental illness issues? Yeah, he does. Does Jesus address addiction issues? Yeah, he does. Does Jesus address the fact that, that, that I've been trying to do what the world says I need to be doing and I just can't find any rest and peace? Yeah, he does. He says, are you under the weight? Well, you come to me because I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke on you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly heart and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is like, Kevin, are you saying that Jesus is on the hook to heal mental illness? Of course he is. He absolutely will in his time. And until his time, he's promised grace. And until his time, he's promised presence with us. Come to me if, if, if you are wrestling with any of these and more. Hear and accept Jesus' invitation to come to him and find rest and peace. And then I want you to know that there is help and that you are not more broken than any of the rest of us here. Know this, there's help. You, you don't have to feel like you feel. You might not be cured. It might not be something that you can say, I, I once was here and now I'm no longer there. It, it might be something that you wrestle with the rest of your life, but there is help. There's help. There are folks who can help. And you're not more broken than any of the rest of us. If you're wrestling with these things, these feelings, you're sitting here today and you go, I've never had a doctor look at me and say, but you were talking about some things and I just kind of feel that way and I'm not just, I'm not really sure. Look, don't ignore how you feel. Don't ignore it. What do we say to, 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 to those of us in the male arena? Don't ignore pains that exist in this quadrant of your body. Because what we'll do, we'll go, oh, that's just the bacon that I had this morning. Don't ignore this. Don't ignore those feelings. And don't feel like that nothing's going to change. Tell somebody. See a professional, see a Christian professional if one is available. And I would encourage you to see someone outside of your current support system and to see somebody who's qualified. You know what? I will love everybody that ever walks through that door. That's my office over there. I'll, I'll, love, I'll love you and I'll talk with you, but you know what? I am not qualified to provide the kind of help that some need. You need to find someone who is and, and maybe we need to find someone together. In fact, when we dismiss today, I've got a paper over here because I don't want anyone to feel like, I'm not going to go grab one of those things because then folks may think, then you've missed everything I've been saying about we're not going to do that no more. 
But here's what I want you to do. I want at least every, every family member to come by and grab one of these off the table. This right here gives all kinds of information about help that is available. And the one at the very top is a group of videos called Silent Images that you can watch on Right Now Media. You say, I don't know anything about Right Now Media. Well, I'm glad you asked because it is a video. Uh, it's it's a, a video source that you have access for free just because you've come to our church. And it's available to you. And I would encourage every family to watch those seven videos and and be better informed about how people are feeling with some of these issues so that we can be the best help to them. It also has some information about Celebrate Recovery. You say, what's Celebrate Recovery? Well, there's a video there on YouTube that you can key in and watch. What is Celebrate Recovery? It's a safe place where you can go and be around folks that are wrestling with things that you're wrestling with, that you're wanting victory over and victory through. So go get it, read it, be a part of it. There's some information about AA and NA, and then one of my favorite things, I'll go ahead and tell you, I got, I got a little ways to go. So you start when you want, but I don't want your fingers to get too tired. Okay. One of my favorite things that we got going on in the community is the Heartland Counseling Center. Heartland Community Church, Pastor Ed, one of my favorite guys, one of my favorite ministries, love Heartland. They now have a ministry that is devoted specifically to Christian counseling. And I've got the cards for all of those folks on that right there. And you know what? They, they, want, they want to provide help. And yeah, it, it, takes, it takes resources to keep these things going. But, but if you can't afford your insurance or no insurance, they'll work with you. And, and I know them personally. And guess what? We'll work with you with them. So I want everybody to go by and I want you to grab one of these because even if you don't need it, somebody you know, somebody you love is going to need something on this page. And I want you to be equipped. There are cards. There are other pieces of information over there that you can grab. See a professional. Involve and regularly engage your support system. If you're wrestling, if you're struggling in this arena, let the folks that are supporting you know what's going on and then engage them. Engage us. Be involved in a life group where we can walk with you and help you, family, friends, or a support group like Celebrate Recovery, like Alcoholics Anonymous, like Narcotics Anonymous, wherever you can engage plug in. And then here's the best part. You need to share your story. 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 We want you to share your story here. You know why? Because when you share your story, you bring a step of help to one who's feeling the same way you do. And when you stand up here or you sit at the table or you're in a life group sitting around a living room and you share your story, you know what you're doing? You're saying, guys, look, this is normal. This is happening all around us and this could be you and this could be your child and this could be your mom. This could be, this could be anyone and this is not out of the ordinary and you begin to share and all of a sudden the, the stigma begins to go away. And others find a lighted path to be able to take a step toward health. Take a step toward help.
we got a role too as a church. You have a role as one who's feeling, but we got a role. Zach, let's look at John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. First John three eighteen says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We need to love one another and it doesn't just need to be what comes out of our mouth. It needs to be in what we do. Well, what are we going to do? Galatians 6, 2, Paul says that we are to bear one another's burdens so that we might fulfill the law of Christ, so that we might be extensions of come unto him. All you who are weary and heavy laden, he'll give you rest. You know what we can do? We can get up under their load as the hands and feet of Jesus, and we can bear their burden with them. We get it if it's a financial burden. We get it if it's a sickness and we need to bring food burden. We need to be ready and able and willing and anxious when it comes to helping those who struggle in the arena of mental health and addiction. Bear their burdens. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. We get that. What's the last half say? Weep with those who weep. Their pain, their weight, their hurt must be ours. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one of us suffers, all of us suffer. You say, I I don't know that I believe that, Pastor Kevin. Well, here's what I want you to do. I'd like for you to take your left hand and hold it up and use your right hand and grab your little finger. And then on the count of three, you're going to bend this little finger as far as humanly possible. And one, two, and you go, I ain't doing that. Why? Because you know the truth of the matter is when that little guy hurts, all of you hurt. We've got to take on that commitment that says if one of us is hurting, we're all hurting. And if one of us is hurting, we need to come to the rescue. So I'm going to read these and we'll be done. We must repent of our past failures to see, hear, love, and help those who are wrestling with mental illness and addiction. That's a repentance thing. We need to recognize that that has been a colossal failure on part of the church. We need to repent. No more, Lord. No, we're going to walk into this with open arms. We must lead people to the help and healing of Jesus and refuse to diminish medical treatment. We need to be intolerant of someone saying, ah, if they just get their heart right, Everything else will fall into place. We need to call that as garbage every time we hear it. That ain't true. We need to lead them to Jesus and never minimize the treatments that are available. We must refuse to allow silencing or shame to be tolerated in this body. And anybody, no more shame, no more silence. 
We must advance a culture of acceptance, compassion, love, and safety. We got to decide. And here's the thing. I know this is a learning curve, but I'm telling you, we're going to be a place of acceptance and compassion. And that's what we're going to be. And and we want to walk with everybody getting to that point. Because that's what God's called us to be. We must be champions for the normalization of mental health issues. That is not an obscure thing. No, it's normal. But it's definitely not where you want to be. Heart attacks are normal. Kidney failure is normal. But you want to get it fixed, right? You want to get it treated. We must be stay better informed. That's why you're going to go home and watch those silent images, those seven short videos. And if you don't have Right Now Media, you're going to ask us. We're going to give you instant access to it. I would encourage you to watch it as a family. We must always know that through Christ, the power of addictions can be broken. They're simply chains that Christ can lead us to being released from. We must continue to lead people to the authentic community and life groups where folks can be real and safe. We must provide specific support when we're able and avenues of support when we are unable. And we must celebrate victories and encourage stories to be shared. I'm going to celebrate a victory today because I don't think in the 12 years that I have been here that we have said one single word about mental illness and addiction. But I'm going to celebrate a victory that that's no more the case. It's now out and open and we're going to move forward. And we're going to allow God to show us what it looks like to talk about it. Providing help, providing hope for those who are suffering with mental illness, addiction. And by God's grace, may we be a place that could possibly remind someone that there is something to live for. Let's stand together. Maybe you're here today and you go, wow, I needed that. Well, can I tell you something? I am thrilled that you are here because we want to help you. Well, we want to walk with you as you seek help first from our Lord, then from professionals, and then we want to celebrate how God helps how God heals and how God uses. Maybe you're here and you go, I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you something exciting? God Almighty loves you and knows you're broken. Because you're broken, he provided his son, God the Son, Jesus. That he might be a sacrifice for your sin and mine. Through his death, He made that payment for your sin, for my sin. And through his resurrection from the dead, he's provided victory, new life, and redemption that is available by faith. Faith in him. Faith in him alone. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, your first step toward eternal healing 
is by trusting and one and one alone. His name is Jesus. If that's something you'd like to know more about, I would love to sit down and talk with you as long as it would take. Church, let's decide we're going to take a different approach from here on. Father, we thank you for a day that we can come together. We can talk about a real issue, one that you're concerned about, one that you are aware of, and the one that you have an answer for. God, I pray that you will cause us to be people who no longer stigmatize, no longer remain silent. God, that we will be people that believe that there is hope and are willing to invest in folks, no matter what it takes. God, I pray that you will speak peace and hope into the one who may be here that's been living in secret. That God, these are people who will welcome whatever it is because we're all broke and none of us have it together. God, I pray that you will encourage us as we take what we've learned out into the communities that you have planted us in. And may we be the mouth, the feet, the arms of your son as we talk about it in the week to come. Father, I pray for Andrea as she recovers. I pray that you would touch her body. Father, I pray for uh, Susie Scott's brother, Stevie. He's going to have open heart surgery tomorrow. I pray, God, that you would give his doctor's ability. I pray that Susie will have an opportunity again to share Jesus with her brother. If he is not a follower of Christ, I pray that you draw him to yourself. Pray for Debbie's aunt. She's uh, not out of the woods yet with her heart. Just ask that God, you would would bring her to a place of wholeness. Got to lift up Jim as he continues to recover. I just pray pray that you'll bring him to 100%. There's so many others. God, we just ask that you'd move in our body. Meet us where we are. Meet our needs according to your will. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.